to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this young lady back. It's Dr. Carol Swain, Ph.D., tenured former professor at Vanderbilt and Princeton. CarolMSwain.com is the website. Doc, how are you? It's good to see you. It's great to see you, and I should be excited about the publication of my new book, and I am to a certain extent, but this is a sad day, um, you know, as we're waiting for the president to be arrested, and I learned that Harrison Floyd, who was the person that headed Black Voices for Trump, of which I was a member, that he is in jail in Georgia, one of the 19, and he has not posted bonds. So I would assume that it might be financial because, you know, whether we like it or not, most Black people don't have access to the resources. And it could be a financial decision in any event. I cannot think of of a person, you know, who is nicer. It is alleged that he tried to assault one of the officers that was serving him. I don't believe it. And you know him. You say that that's not his character. No, he's very gentle. Such a gentleman. One wonders if uh, if Kamala Harris will try to raise money to get him out. You know something? They let out hardened criminals without bail. And when it comes to people that are Republicans, they make an example of them. They are the ones that have to post bond. They are the ones they want to arrest and put in jail. But if you are a rapist or a murderer or a robber, then, you know, you don't have to post bail. It is uh, Dr. Carol M. Swain. Say his name again. First name is Harrison. What's the last name? Floyd. F-L-O-Y-D. Harrison Floyd. Everybody go and tweet about this. Everybody go and make noise about this. Why is this guy the one who is in jail? Um, and uh, as the doctor said, could have been financial. Might be because of his skin tone. Who knows? He's um, the black guy that supported Trump. And he right. had a very visible position. Well, hopefully we can we can raise the awareness and get people involved in this. And of course, I make that that joke sarcastically about Kamala Harris, who when uh, the the George Floyd riots were happening and people were burning down hundreds of minority owned businesses in Minneapolis and tearing down police stations, she's out here raising money to get people out of of jail um, who just got who just got arrested on actual charges. People saw them do it. They just got arrested and they're walking free while somebody who dared, uh, you know, support Donald Trump is now behind bars. This this it, is something that you and I never thought we'd see. It, it saddens me. And, you know, I think, but for the grace of God, there goes me instead of thee, um, that none of us are safe. They can knock on our door at any time with trunked up charges and throw us in jail. This is the new America. And it deeply saddens me. I feel quite emotional when I would prefer to be excited about the opportunity to be on your show to talk about my book. Uh, I can't be so excited when this is taking place in my nation. It's taking place and it, and, it, and it should make us feel melancholy like you feel. Why wouldn't it that we're actually seeing, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, you're seeing somebody who is not only a former president and all of these charges are, are fictitious. They're all fake. None, nothing that Jack Smith or Alvin Bragg or this this Fannie Willis in, in Georgia now, nothing that they have on Trump has any weight by law. And I've studied it. I've looked at it. I had Alan Dershowitz on. None of this ha- carries any weight at all. But they're literally doing what they did in Iraq when Saddam Hussein took over. You take out the opposition. The only difference is they lined the opposition up against the wall and shot them, just like they did in Cuba. They're looking to put this guy in jail, a former president, simply because he's going to beat Joe Biden. 
in the next election. How is this anything other than just trying to take out your political opponent? This is all it is. Well, what about the 19 co-defendants uh, of which Harrison Floyd is a co-defendant? Uh, Yes. That their crime was that they went into an administration or they became a lawyer. You know, they went to law school. They they chose to be uh, a part of Trump's administration and they're being punished. And, and some of them have spent over half a million dollars. I'm sure that people like Rudy Giuliani, they probably spent more money and uh, they are being punished b- because of guilt of association. And the First Amendment, our Constitution, our whole American way of life has just been thrown aside by uh, this new regime. This is not the America I know. And again, it deeply uh, saddens me that we have reached this point and not enough people care. People from both political parties need to be standing up and, and demanding answers and accountability from those horrible people that are pushing this agenda. And they're not uh, really pro-American people. They're using communist, totalitarian methods to go after their political enemies. And what they're doing to Donald Trump and his co-defendants, they would do to you or me uh, if they get the chance. And none of us are safe. And uh, we need to take all of this very seriously. Our country, we have pretty much lost our country. I couldn't agree more. And and you bring up something that is so very important. They're going after his legal counsel. I want to make sure I understand. This guy has the right, as we all do, to legal counsel, legal representation, to a proper defense. They're trying to lock up the people who he had representing him. He literally has the confidentiality between himself and his his legal team that they're now trying to attack by locking up the legal team. And you know what they want them to do? They want one person out of the 19 to flip on them. One person to say, yeah, "Yeah, he did something criminal. He did something bad to save themselves. I don't think they'll do it. But can you imagine in America? And before, before I ask you this question, let me tell people the book, because this is very important. I want you to go and get Dr. Swain's book. It's Adversity of Diversity, How Real Unity Training Can Promote Healing in a Post-Affirmative Action World. Again, the headline is Adversity to Diversity. That's the title. Can you imagine in in your America and mine, again, we politically disagree with people all the time. That's allowed. We've got free speech. We're allowed to do it, 100%. But you're not only going to go after a guy that you think did something wrong, and he didn't. You're going to take down his legal team? Wait a minute, Joe. It's worse than taking down his legal team. Uh, team, not all of those people were on the legal team. Harrison was not on the legal team. Harrison headed uh, Black uh, Voices for Trump, and I was a member of Black Voices for Trump. And I can tell you, Joe, that I've spent my whole life staying away from just Black stuff, that I've always wanted to be an individual. I was a political scientist, not a Black political scientist. I made an exception for Donald J. Trump and I went into that category to support his campaign. I knocked on doors. I was a part of Black Voices for Trump. And Harrison was the one that headed up that group. For some reason, he's the only uh, uh, co-defendant that's in jail. And he was not on the legal team. His, no, he was not on the legal team. Well, what exactly is, is the charge against him then? The, the they said that, that he uh, assaulted someone uh, oh, that was on. serving him. <laughs> no. Come I on. know if you were to meet Harrison, he's so gentle and so, you know, just professional. Uh, he's not he he's not a street 
Negro. I mean, this is someone that's very polished, very cultured, very educated. His crime is being associated with Donald J. Trump. It is uh, Dr. Carol Swain. Get her book. Uh, it is called Adversity of Diversity. Her website is carolmswain.com, and it's S-W-A-I-N.com. His name is Harrison Floyd. Say his name. Put his name on your social media. Ask questions. Be skeptical. Find out why this is happening to him. Um, as we watch this unfold in Fulton County, the, the, the entire case is based on the fact that Trump called the Secretary of State and said, we know there are major issues in voting in Atlanta. We know that there are hundreds of thousands of ballots that are in question that we know probably were for me that aren't being counted or something's going on. I don't need you to find all of those. Find me 11,780. That's all he said. He didn't say manufacture them. He didn't say go and cheat. He didn't say any of that. The case is based on a complete lie that Donald Trump was asking to overturn something. The phone call's out there, doctor. The the transcript is out there. What? How do they possibly even get away with with mugshotting these people? It's crazy. I mean, I'm going to step out on a limb, and I, I don't. I do this often, but I'm going to tell you that what disturbs me is that many of the prosecutors and the faces we see in the media happen to be black Democrats. Right. And they hate Trump, and many of them have bragged about how they are going to get Trump. And I imagine that they took great delight in uh, jailing Harrison. And so he's, so I mean, I'm Because he stepped away. He stepped away from the plantation. He wasn't allowed to be a Trump supporter. He's a black guy. You've got to get in line with us. You know, you probably have felt that pressure your whole life. I mean, I've always been an individualist and I've always, you know, cut a march to the tune of a different drama. I was born and wired this way. And so uh, I've been able to withstand the pressures, but, and I, I've never been arrested or anything like that, but it I don't rule it out of the realm of possibilities. I think about those January 6th uh, protesters and some of them languishing in jail without a trial, no due process, no presumption of innocence. Uh, the country uh, has been destroyed in many ways. It's not operating the way it should operate. And that deeply, deeply saddens me. It's Dr. Kyle Swain. Uh, her book is Adversity of Diversity, How Real Unity Training Can Promote Healing in a Post-Affirmative Action World. Thank you for commenting on all of that. Let's get into the affirmative action topic, which is, of course, what you're, based, uh, you're, what you're, you're working with in the book. Affirmative action may have been necessary for a small amount of time. And this is just my opinion. You can tell me I'm wrong. For a small amount of time in this country because there was unequal treatment. There was not equal opportunity for a time. Caused by Democrats, by the way, we'll get into that some other time. But equal, but, but affirmative action today literally is saying, other than whites, black people specifically, even women, are not as smart, are not as able, are not as as productive as white people, and therefore we have to give them a hand up, a leg up, a step up, and treat them like less than. Doctor, you're smarter what, than I am. I'll tell, the, any, I'll, I'll tell everybody and anybody who's watching. I've got many friends of all ethnicities and ancestries that are smarter, stronger, bigger, more active, more productive, and I try to compete with them. The idea that somebody is less than, governmentally seen as less than, makes me sick. Did I get it right? Well, let me tell you this. What we needed in America was a civil rights movement that was successful. Yes. So in 1964, we passed the Civil Rights Act that prohibited discrimination on the basis of basis of race, sex, national origin, color, and uh, religion. We needed that. And that benefited people like me because it instituted 
equal opportunity and non-discrimination, and it caused people to seek out talented minorities. Yes. And so I benefited from the non-discrimination and equal opportunity and the fact that there were well-meaning meaning people looking for talented people to bring into the system. Affirmative action itself was never the law of the land. It was never passed by two houses of Congress, signed by a president. It was where, three where, executive where did, it where did it come from? Three executive orders. Uh, John F. Kennedy issued the first one. Lyndon Johnson issued the second one, and he was the one that really brought in the preferential treatment when he gave his famous Howard University uh, commencement speech in 1965. And then Richard Nixon, Republican Richard Nixon, he was the one that gave us quotas with the uh, Philadelphia plan that involved the construction industries. And Republicans and Democrats have pushed the racial preferences. And Joe, I can tell you that initially affirmative action was supposed to address the effects of past and present discrimination against the descendants of slaves, against blacks. By the early 1970s, there were five groups included. And so quickly, you know, it expanded, it expanded, it expanded until the only groups excluded are healthy heterosexual white males. So that's where we are today. And for people that would say, you know, to me, well, you used affirmative action to advance yourself and now you're pulling up the ladder. I can say that I benefited from non-discrimination, equal opportunity, outreach. I started my education. I'd been a high school dropout at a community college that admitted anyone. Uh, I met the dean's list a couple of times. I used that to get into a nearby four-year college where I graduated magna cum laude. I was one of probably 20 blacks on uh, campus, and I wrote my first undergraduate paper. I talk about it in the book. In 1986, my uh, senior thesis on affirmative action, and I was critical in 1983. And I quote from my paper uh, in the in the book, and the book talks about how the grounds that the Supreme Court used to strike down race-based affirmative action applies also to DEI, diversity, right. equity, and inclusion programs, and CRT, critical race theory, in the same way because these programs violate uh, the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause and the Civil Rights Act. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects all persons. That includes whites, Asians, males, heterosexuals, Christians, um, and that's not what they're doing today. I couldn't agree more. Well, that was so well said. Uh, affirmative action was something that was put in place by an extreme racist uh, in Lyndon John, Lyndon Johnson was one of the most racist presidents we've ever had. I don't care what he said at Howard no. University. I was on a racist dude. Um, he was but, but right, but but having said that, I don't think that John F. Kennedy was. And Richard Nixon, what was he just trying to get along? I mean, why do you think they did it? Did they do it? I, I know that Johnson did it from some of his quotes. We know this because he wanted to lock in the black vote for Democrats. That's why he does it. But why does Kennedy do it? Why does Richard Nixon do it? I think Kennedy would be would Kennedy. be a conservative today. Kennedy did it before the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Gotcha. So he was okay. trying to end discrimination uh, in uh, federal uh, agencies. So, I mean, it was needed. Then we passed the Civil Rights Act. But then Johnson issues a couple of executive orders, including one that set up the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission right. that's responsible for a lot of, of programs that are that you know, that are unneeded and may be racist at times. And with Nixon, 
Some people argue that he knew that blacks and Jews had formed a strong coalition and um, that Jews did not like quotas because quotas had been used against them. And he saw an opportunity to break apart that coalition wow. of, uh, of uh, blacks and Jews around the issue of racial quotas. I mean, I that no has clue. been argued. I had no clue about that. I mean, that is, that is that would be a really good reason. I mean, bad reason, but but a reason for him politically to do so. That's crazy. What, There's what, something what, else, Joe. Go ahead. It was white male elites uh, in the, uh, well, white male elites in Washington, D.C. that pushed through racial preferences. The Civil Rights Act was never about racial preferences. It was always about non-discrimination. And blacks in D.C., many of the middle-class blacks, Loved the civil service test because the person who had the highest score got the job. And so they just wanted to take the pictures off the applications. They wanted non-discrimination. So it was really white elite, I guess, progressives yeah. that made it what it is today. Of course, it's uh, because that's what they do. They're still the controllers. They're still the slave owners. They're still the plantation owners. It's carolmswain.com is the website for Dr. Carol M. Swain. Get her book, Adversity of Diversity, How Real Unity Training Can Promote Healing in a Post-Affirmative Action World. Doc, come on more often. I appreciate it every time. Thank you. All right, we're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Great to have you. Really appreciate Dr. Carol Swain. Make sure you go and check her out on all the social media. Carol M. Swain. It's SWAIN.com. We do have the actual uh, booking photo, the mugshot, if you will, of President Donald Trump. This is the real one from Fulton County, Georgia. The, re- the resolution is not great. This is the one being put out by all the media outlets. This is the actual mugshot of the former president of the United States. It's sickening to think that there is a mugshot for him on the fake charges that they're that they're bringing for him. That's the real shot. I'll post it on all my social media, Joe Talk Show on YouTube and on uh, on Instagram, Joe Pags on TikTok. That's Polo, that's Sam, that's Carrie, and Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day. This is the Joe Pags Show.